Welcome to Mark Connor's podcast. For more information, visit markconnor.com.au. This weekend, all over Australia and New Zealand, we have the annual Anzac Day celebrations. A uh, hundred years ago, the Aussies and the Kiwis uh, got involved in their first world conflict, World War I, as we joined forces with Britain against Germany. And this weekend is the hundred-year anniversary of the landing at the Gallipoli Peninsula uh, there in Turkey. The Gallipoli landing was supposed to be a really quick knockout punch, but it didn't turn out being that way. The, the rugged terrain and the uh, fierce Turkish soldiers uh, caused this war to end up being a stalemate that went on for over eight months. And uh, during this eight-month period, there were heavy casualties. Over 8,000 Australian soldiers died. Over 3,000 New Zealand soldiers died. And let's not forget that around 58,000 Turkish soldiers also died in this war. You know, if you listen to the radio, if you listen to the TV or read newspaper, there's a lot of mixed and strong emotions about Anzac Day. Uh, some people feels that it, feel that it overly glorifies war, and we actually shouldn't be celebrating. You know, Australia's last Anzac, uh, his name was Alec Campbell. He died 10 years ago. And on his deathbed there in Sydney, Alec Campbell, the last Anzac, said, For God's sake, don't glorify Gallipoli. It was a terrible fiasco, a total failure and best forgotten. And so some people feel all the Anzac Day, big big day out celebrations are kind of glorifying war. And I think we'd all acknowledge that war is not a noble enterprise. War is not a good foundation for a national identity. War is not a a valid proof of growing up or of manhood or adulthood. Uh, War is a horrible thing, and only those who have ever been to a war could talk about the horror of war and the trauma that it leaves in its wake. I've never been to war myself, but I'll never forget 1998, going and seeing a movie called Saving Private Ryan. It's uh, based on World War II and the Normandy invasion, and it's probably one of the most realistic war movies ever made. And I'll never forget coming out of that cinema and probably for the first time realizing just a little bit how you could go to war and come home and never, ever be the same again. War is a horrible, horrible thing. And so some people feel Anzac Day is just a little bit too much on the glorifying of war. I went with a group of leaders uh, last year to uh, visit Turkey and Greece. And on our way from Turkey to Greece, we had just a couple of hours to stop at Gallipoli. And uh, I took a couple of photos just with my camera. And if you've never been to Gallipoli, let me just show you uh, a couple of pictures here. This is the Gallipoli Peninsula in Turkey. Naturally, an incredible, beautiful place. Uh, this is the, the, the bay here that is now called Anzac Cove, where the soldiers landed. You can see the very high cliffs to the upper part of the picture. Uh, here is the beach where they uh, landed and uh, placed their feet on this soil. Most movingly, here are the, the graves, right at the beachfront of thousands of soldiers who died right there. Right on the beach, some of them a little further up the hill, uh, some of them way up on the top of the hill. This is the Australian and New Zealand uh, Anzac Memorial. And as I uh, walk through that area, it's a very, very sobering experience in such a, a natural, beautiful place, just to think of the horror of that war and 
the lives that were lost and to walk along and, and just to read the gravestones of uh, uh, people who died there. And I guess for me, every one of them was, were moving, but uh, to see a gravestone like this of, of a 17-year-old. 17-year-old boy. He died a man and closed his life's brief day before it had scarce begun. And so I think we'd all realize that we don't want to glorify war. War is a horrible, horrible thing. And in many ways, Gallipoli was a, a failure. Troops had to eventually be evacuated. On the other hand, people would argue it's right to remember. <laughs> it's right to remember those who gave their lives, those who sacrificed. It's worth remembering. We don't glorify war, but we honor the dead. And so regardless of your opinion or mine today or the debate about Anzac Day, I think we could all acknowledge the, the, the Anzac spirit, the, the heart of these people who, who went to war, many of them so young. And if we look at the, the, the heart and the character, we, we see incredible commitment. We see um, this sense of, uh, of sacrifice. We, we see friendship or mateship. We, we see endurance in incredibly adverse circumstances. And if there's one character quality that I think would summarize uh, the, the Anzac Day celebrations, it's the character quality of courage. Great, great courage. And over this weekend, as we take time to reflect and remember the Anzacs, not just from Gallipoli, but from all wars fought, that we would reflect on their amazing courage. Uh, courage is a, a quality that is so, so very admirable. Uh, the dictionary defines courage uh, this way. Uh, courage has been defined as strength in the face of fear, grief, and pain. We could add adversity and challenge. Courage in the face of fear, grief, and pain. Uh, Maya Angelou, an Afro-American author, once said, Courage is the most important of all the virtues, because without courage, you cannot practice any other virtue consistently. Uh, Nelson Mandela, na national hero, South Africa. I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave man, the brave person is not the person who does not feel afraid, but who conquers that fear. And then I love this quote by Tolkien, all the Tolkien fans here. Courage is often found in unlikely places, uh, immortalized in his Lord of the Rings trilogy with Frodo carrying the ring. Courage is a quality that I think we all admire. You know, as we turn to the pages of scriptures, uh, we actually see courage as something that God wants for us who follow him. Uh, Joshua 1 verse 9, this young leader's now leading this big nation and needs to cross Jordan and go into a promised land where there's going to be giants and walled cities. And God says to Joshua, be strong and be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. You know, that's, that's a challenge for each one of us on our journey. Sometimes we feel overwhelmed with fear. Sometimes we feel overwhelmed with discouragement. And God says, be strong and courageous. Do not fear. I am with you. I will be with you wherever you go. The psalmist would reflect on this in Psalms 27 and verse 14 and says, Wait for the Lord. 
Be strong and take heart. The Hebrew word wait has the idea of to entwine or to wrap. It's like taking two threads and and wrapping them together so they become stronger. And as we wait on the Lord, we can take our weakness, our fear, our discouragement, and we can draw on his strength to be strong and to take courage to uh, wait for the Lord. Uh, We've moved forward to the book of Acts, which we've been journeying through this year as a church. And some of Jesus' last words to his disciples were, you will receive power. That's the Greek word dunamis. It means might. It means supernatural strength. It means boldness. It It means courage. You will receive courage, boldness, power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria. And even to the ends of the earth. You know that mission takes courage. It takes courage to be a witness in your own Jerusalem, you know, where we live, where you go to work. Uh, It's easy to get comfortable. It takes courage to be a witness there. It takes courage to get out of our comfort zone and go to Judea, our region, the areas we wouldn't normally go to. It takes even greater courage to go to Samaria across cultural barriers to, to reach people we don't understand people we don't get, people we may even have prejudice and caricatures about. It takes courage to go cross-culturally and reach a people that may not be just like you. And it takes great courage to go to the ends of the earth with the good news of Jesus. Courage is something Jesus calls uh, from each one of us as his followers. Acts 4 verse 31, after they had prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. Again, courage to live the Christian life and to follow the call that he has for each one of us. Uh, We fast forward into the book of Timothy. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but a spirit of power. Same word, dunamis, power, courage. God's given you a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. The call to courage for everyone who would follow Jesus. And then in Ephesians 6 verse 10, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And so for every one of us, there's a call in the Christian life for those of us who would follow Jesus to live courageous lives. When we're facing adversity or challenge or difficulty, to be strong, to know that God is with us and to know that we can draw on his strength. Anyone thankful for that today? I'm thankful for God's courage when I'm feeling overwhelmed, when I'm feeling afraid, when I'm feeling discouraged, that he can uh, fill me with his courage. You know, one of the great Anzac stories, one of the great Anzac heroes is a, a man named John or better known as Jack Simpson. Uh, Jack Simpson volunteered to be a a field ambulance worker uh, carrying a stretcher and uh, carrying those who are wounded on the field. And uh, Jack Simpson landed at Gallipoli. He was there with that opening day as they landed in that Anzac Cove. And uh, uh, immediately the intensity of the the battle uh, hit all of them. And he was uh, uh, seen rescuing those who were wounded and carrying them on his shoulder back down to the beach where they would be safe. Uh, One day when he was doing this in the early part of the campaign, he saw a donkey off to the side. And amazingly, Jack, as a little boy, worked with donkeys. And so he kind of knew donkeys really well, if you know what I mean. And uh, so he ended 
ended up befriending this donkey. And Jack and his donkey, he would uh, take the donkey and he would put the wounded soldiers on the donkey. And then he would carry them back on the donkey down to the beach area. He did this day after day. Whistling and singing. There was shrapnel bouncing off. There was bullets and fire and snipers. And some of the soldiers who saw this from the trenches just marveled at this man who was risking his life, him and his donkey, going into the battle, finding these wounded soldiers, and then bringing them back to safety. You know, over 24 days, it's estimated that Jack Simpson and his donkey rescued 300 people. 300 soldiers he rescued on that battlefield in Gallipoli until one day he was killed with a a bullet from a machine gun in his back while he was rescuing somebody. One of our great Anzac heroes. And I'm reminded of that statement of Jesus. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down your life for a friend. Jack Simpson laid his life down for his friends. And Jesus is the ultimate example of laying down his life to rescue the entire world. But the challenge for us is as we're called to be on mission, he wants us also to be doing the rescuing of people who are lost in darkness and bringing them to light. You know, here in Melbourne, where most of us live, there's not a lot of shrapnel firing when we do that. Anyone been shot this week? Yeah, it's pretty safe here. It's pretty, pretty free here. But you know that there are places in this world where to rescue people from darkness into light is a dangerous place to be doing mission. And it takes great courage to carry out the mission of Jesus Christ. And Jack Simpson gives us an example of being willing to lay down our life for others. We have a mission here at Sea Life. If you've been around for a while, you've probably memorized it. And so why don't we say this together today? Here we go. One, two, three. Our mission is to raise up fervent followers of Jesus Christ who will reach out and impact communities, cities, and nations for the kingdom of God. Let's say that one more time. Let's dial the enthusiasm up just a couple of notches. I think we can do it. Come on, KC, Manningham, Whittlesey. Here we go. One, two, three. Our mission is to raise up fervent followers of Jesus Christ who will reach out and impact communities, cities, and nations for the kingdom of God. Well done. That's why we're here. And you know, it takes courage to impact communities. It takes courage to impact cities, and it takes courage to impact nations. And over this World Impact Week, we have a whole heap of our World Impact workers here, back home from the field. And these are some of the most amazing people I have ever met. They are working in some of the poorest, some of the uh, most persecuted, and some of the least evangelized places on the planet, where there's a lot of gunfire, if you were, firing while they're doing life and ministry. And so we want to honor them. We want to really commend them and pray that their time here will be one of great encouragement and refreshing as they come and share with us some of the stories of our partnership together with them. And so let me tell you a couple of stories of what God's doing through our mission partners as they have the courage to carry out our mission together to impact nations. It takes courage 
to plant churches. It takes courage. We have a, a vision right now uh, of, of over 10,000 stories of transformation by the year 2016. And part of that is to plant 100 churches in that time. And we're already up to about 34 now. And it's kind of easy just to type plant 100 churches. It's easy to kind of put that on a brochure and easy to say it. But it actually takes courage. You're looking at a, a picture of a, a village church in far north India. And uh, this picture was taken at the opening of this church building just last Christmas. But you know, there's a lot of courage that precedes this nice picture of them having their church opening. You know, our mission partners in North India, they go into these very remote villages and they always start by doing some community development project. We don't just start by preaching about Jesus. We start by loving these people and meeting their needs. And in many of these uh, villages, they're so poor. And so just bringing some livestock in and helping the quality of their life lift can be a great blessing to them. And so one of our church planters was taking in and doing this community development project and bringing livestock to this village and some some strong men in the city in the village actually beat up the volunteers and stole all of their livestock i don't know about you i I think i would have maybe said god maybe you want me to go somewhere else you know this volunteer leader and his team they went back to the villages they actually negotiated with those men and managed to build a relationship with them and get the livestock back and and to persevere even in the face of that kind of opposition of course fear was spreading through all the other villages in the area they didn't want any more community projects but these teams went in and built relationships with them and began to serve them and help them and help the poverty and bring the livestock and, and then over time preach about Jesus you know this is one of those villages where the project leader ended up becoming a pastor and this is their opening of a church just this last Christmas but it didn't come without pain didn't come without sacrifice it didn't come without a lot of courage in that church planner and his team to persist persist even in the face of adversity so it takes courage to plant churches in many of the places we're involved in. Uh, second story I'd like to share with you today is it also takes courage to raise up leaders. This is a picture of some of our church planting leaders that uh, work with Devaka, one of our mission workers in another area in India. Uh, you know, they are working in uh, five of the remotest states of India with some very, very remote villages. And uh, this is a very dangerous area to work. There are local radicals, there are local rebels, there's a lot of antagonism, there's a lot of opposition to the gospel. Uh, One of our church planters went with a team into this unreached village to share about Jesus and they actually were driven out of the village and they were pelted with stones and rocks. Kind of sounds a little bit like the book of Acts, doesn't it? And as they were being pelted with stones and rocks, they knelt down as a team and they prayed for that village. This is, this is in our time. This is in our generation. They prayed for that village and then they left. Well, well a few days later, uh, so some people from the village tracked them down and said, please, would you come back again? What? Come back for another stoning? You know, the prayers of that church planning team for the village so impacted the village that they chased these people down and said, please, would you come back and share what you have with our village? And so the team went back to that village. They held an outreach meeting. They shared about Jesus. They preached the gospel. And now there's a church in that village because there were mission workers that had the courage to push through the adversity and the opposition. I think that deserves a clap today. Amazing. 
Amazing. And this is a sample of some of these uh, courageous leaders, uh, courageous to plant a church, courageous to, to step out and to say, yes, yes, I'll, I'll go to an unreached place, even in the midst of all of that opposition. It takes courage to do the work of mission. This is another picture of a discipleship training that our team did in a country in Asia. You know, in this country, um, you can't have a public church meeting. You can't have a gathering with more than 15 people without threat of the police interfering and harassing you. It's a very difficult place to do ministry. One of our mission partners there is a pastor over three small congregations where he's discipling people and leading them to Jesus and helping them grow in their faith. They can't have big meetings, and so they have to multiply through small groups. And He's part of a network of over 800 small groups in that area, meeting in apartments and, and business places and in homes, spreading the gospel. But you know what? It takes a lot of courage to grow a congregation. It's not that easy. It's difficult. It's even life-threatening at times. And yet we have people out there courageously sharing about Jesus, growing those congregations. It also takes courage to transform communities. This is a picture of the Lata Lata community in Indonesia. Indonesia is a country of thousands and thousands of islands. And uh, this Lata Lata community went through a very horrific time. Uh, Back in the year 2000, this community on this island had become entirely Christian, if you can imagine that. A couple of thousand people, entirely Christian on this island. In the year 2000, some some Islamic jihadists came on the island. They uh, captured the pastor and the elders and they beheaded them. And they took the entire island captive. And they did some horrific things. They forced some people to be circumcised. They killed another 80 people. They started indoctrinating people in Islam. And no one in the world knew what was happening on that island. The Christians, horrified, traumatized, praying, God, would you help us? One day, one of the men actually managed to talk to his captors about leaving for another island and getting supplies. And so they allowed him to go. He left and he found one of our mission workers, a church that we're in partnership with Indonesia. And you can imagine he didn't want to go back. And our mission worker said, look, maybe you should return. Maybe instead of escaping, maybe you should build trust with those soldiers and go back again and and take the supplies with you. Bravely, courageously, this man went back with his supplies. And then he asked if he could go on another trip. And every month or so, he would do these trips. Eventually, he said, can I take a few people with me? You know, over a period of a year or so, he managed to smuggle 400 people off the island. And because the so- yeah, yeah, amazing courage. And you know, because the soldiers were kind of changing and rotating and off, no one really noticed that the numbers were reducing, or that 400 people had he'd take five and come back with four. Incredible courage. You know, in September 2001, eventually this entire village of people were rescued and taken to another island with help from the church we're in partnership with, help to settle. This, this is actually their new island where they're now setting up a new community, working through the trauma and pain of what has happened. You know what? It takes courage to transform communities. We have some amazing people doing some incredible work for the kingdom. And, you know, next week, Weekend at Casey, Manningham, Whittlesey 
Chinese church and here at Knox, you'll get to hear from some of those mission workers, some of their stories, what they're learning, how can we pray for them. And then, of course, we have our big international night, Sunday at 5, next week at Knox. Always a highlight, big bazaar, lots of food. And so it it, it takes courage. And today we want to honor and commemorate the courage of the Anzacs. We we want to commemorate the, the courage of our world impact workers right in our time, in our generation. We also want to respond to the call for us to live courageous lives. You know, there's a couple of things we can do in responding to this call to courage. Uh, Number one is we can pray. So easy to say, but so powerful. Our mission workers need our prayer. And if you're like me, life gets a little busy. And uh, sometimes we're, we're just so busy praying for ourselves and our own needs. And we, we need to make sure we're praying for our mission workers. If you're in a life group, your life group might want to adopt a mission worker or join one of our prayer support groups. But let's not get too busy that we forget to pray. I was sharing at our, we have a staff prayer meeting every Tuesday morning uh, here at 8.30. And uh, we've been reading through the Gospel of Mark like the church has. And uh, Monday's reading was about Jesus coming to the temple and overturning all of the, the, the tables of money and kicking people out of the area. It's, it's a pretty shocking, you know, Jesus meek and mild, you know, kind of uh, carrying the little lambs with his arms. I mean, Jesus is pretty ticked. It's pretty confronting. And you kind of go, what's going on, Jesus? I mean, they were allowed to be there. People needed to buy their sacrifice. Many people came in with Roman coins and they needed a Hebrew shekel. So there was the, the, the change, the money changing. So what they were doing was okay, but it had become so evasive that it had pushed out the spirit of prayer and worship in the temple. And Jesus is going, this is not what my father's house was meant to be. You know, we no longer have a physical temple that God lives in. But you know what? You and I are the temple of God. And if you're like me, it's easy to allow a lot of clutter and distractions and stuff to fill our temple and push out the spirit of prayer and worship. And God would call us today to to maybe turn some things over in our lives, to push some stuff out of our life so that we have some, some time and space to pray. Amazingly, Jesus said, my father's house will be a house of prayer for all nations. And so praying for nations should be a priority in our own prayer time. And so that's the first thing we can do in responding to the call to courage. Number two is to go. Nothing like going on a short-term team. You bless the mission workers that you visit. You impact the people that are there. And you change. I remember the first mission trip I did when I flew back into Australia. I never saw Australia the same again. I never complained, that's for sure. It's nothing like going to a place like India or Africa or Asia, Cambodia. These places really impact your life. And so get a passport, go on a trip. You know, Augustine once said, the world is a book and those who never travel only read one page. That's a pretty good quote. You're still reading York, Glen Waverley, Manningham, Laylor, Berwick, Page. Hey, hey, the world is a book. And travel enriches you, it changes you, and you capture God's heart for all people. And so consider going on a short-term team. Uh, Thirdly is we can give financially. You know, I think it's over half of the world lives on less than about $2 US a day. 
we often feel tight here and we always need a little bit more, but the truth is we are, we're actually wealthy. And so we can give to world missions. And at the end of today's meeting, there'll be uh, an offering, as there will next weekend, for missions. And, you know, we need money as a church. We're raising money for a building right now at Casey and Knox. And, and, and we've got lots of needs, but we have always made a commitment. We never want a building or our own needs to stop us from giving towards missions. And so as you came in to your meeting today, you would have got a World Impact brochure and a partnership in missions card that enables you to make a pledge or a commitment per month, per week for this year. And we also have some new green uh, nations envelopes that enable you to give towards missions. And so I would really encourage you to, to give generously towards missions. You know, your generosity determines our capacity for world impact. If we have a little bit of generosity, we have a little bit of capacity. When our generosity grows, our capacity to impact nations grows accordingly. And so this call to courage, we can all pray, we can all consider going, and we can all consider giving financially. And I encourage you to, to stretch and to be generous, make sure all of our mission workers are well resourced in their ministry this year. You know, before we close in prayer, I want to finish with a, a final question. W- what's happening in your life right now that's calling out courage? What's happening in your life personally right now that's placing a demand for you to be courageous? Maybe you're facing a challenge. Maybe you're going through some sickness. Maybe you're facing a mountain. Maybe fear has flooded into your life. Maybe discouragement's kind of overwhelming you. What's happening in your life where God would say to you today, be strong and courageous? And I want to pray for you today that whatever you may be facing, that God would fill you with courage this day. Let's pray together now. Father, this weekend we pause and we give thanks for our Anzacs, Aussies and Kiwis that have laid down their lives in battles around this world for freedom. And we we commemorate them today for their courage. Lord, I thank you for all of our incredible mission workers. Lord, doing life in some of the poorest, most persecuted, and least evangelized places on the planet. Lord, they're carrying people, they're rescuing people in the midst of fire, in the midst of bullets, as it were. There's a spiritual battle that's intense. And so we pray a blessing on all of our mission workers today. And I pray for us here at City Life, at Casey, at Manningham, Whittlesea, ourselves here at Knox and and our Chinese church. God, help every person today, whatever they may be facing personally. Lord, that they would hear your smiling encouragement today. Be strong. Be strong and very courageous. And I pray today that you would lift them out of the fear, the discouragement, the feeling of being overwhelmed. And they would find a supernatural strength, a supernatural courage coming into their heart and spirit today. I pray for that today. And I pray that you would help us to respond to this call to courage, to pray for nations, to consider going, and Lord, to give generously. Lord, let our generosity grow so our capacity increases. Lord, that we would truly impact nations for your kingdom and for your glory. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Amen. God bless you. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. For more information, visit markconnor.com.au.